It was about 12 years ago, give or take, when my pastor in Houston, Dr. Ed Young, sent a family to Austin and told them, you need to check out Lake Hills Church. Little did either of us know at the time that God was up to something really, really big when he knit our hearts together with Bill and Johnita Jones. Bill has been a member of our board now for over 10 years. He is a phenomenal friend to me and a friend to Lake Hills Church. You know him, you've heard him speak and teach before in such a powerful way. And I am so grateful that he's agreed to be a part of our summer schedule again this year. So I wanna ask you if you will, stand to your feet and give a monster welcome to one of our own, Bill Jones. Hello, there we go, thank you. Um, Y'all do know it's raining this morning, right? Yeah. And it's Sunday morning. Y'all get extra credit. Now, that's pretty cool. Um, for those of you who are visiting, I am not the pastor. Pastor Mac Richard is the pastor. He and Julie are taking some time off. Uh, and uh, as a member of the board, I want to personally thank you, the congregation, for allowing them to have some time to get away from us for a little bit. Uh, they need vacation just like we do. And um, we very much appreciate your indulging them and indulging me to sub in for Mac when he's gone. We're going to talk about something today that's been on my heart, and I actually asked Mac to let me speak on this topic, which he gladly agreed to. And the topic is disruption. Disruption. We're going to spend two Sundays talking about disruption, what it means and how we are to handle disruption in our lives as Christ followers. Now, disruption is nothing more than something that interrupts your well-laid plans for life. My wife and I are going through a bit of a disruption right now. We just moved after living in the same house in Austin for 18 years last weekend. We're still in boxes. I woke up this morning and I said, hey, babe, uh, where's the iron? She goes, don't know. It's in one of the boxes. <laughs> no clue. So if I look a little disheveled this morning, it's because we're moving. But it's disruptions. Life is full of disruptions. Some of them, are, some are small. Uh, some are private. Nobody gets to know about them. Maybe they're, maybe they're medical related. Some are very, very public. I had a very public disruption in 2007. I was selected as one of the first contestants in the Dancing with the Austin Stars competition. It's a fundraiser for the Center for Child Protection. And there are about 10 of us, and we were assigned professional dancers. My professional dancer was Katie Parr. She was a former ballerina, and she was a um, competitive dancer and a dance instructor, still is today, although she's moved to Nacogdoches. And Katie and I practiced for months before the competition. And if you've never done a dance competition, I'm going to tell you, dancers are pure athletes. That stuff is hard. And after months and months and months, I finally got it down. And we are a week before competition. I could run through the entire choreography without missing a step. I mean, we were at the point where we were just fine-tuning little things. Do your hand like that and do your foot like this and all this. But we were ready. I could do this thing in my sleep. 
And then she told me something. This is a week before competition. She said, uh, Bill, I, I've danced uh, for a long time, and every time before or during a performance or during a competition, something goes wrong. She said, it's going to happen, and when it happens, just keep dancing. Just pick up wherever we are. You know where we're supposed to be, what the music and the beat of the music and what we're supposed to be doing. Just pick up where we're supposed to go next and finish the dance. Keep dancing. Now, I interpreted what she meant was, you're going to mess up <laughs> at some point in this competition because she designed the dance and the choreography and she picked the music and put the music together. So I knew she wasn't going to mess up, but yours truly, that's what I figured. So I didn't really believe her. I said, man, we got this. We're going to nail it. It's going to be perfect and we're going to win. So let's take a look and see what happened the night of the competition. <laughs> let's take a look. The Paso Doble depicts the Matador's challenging fight against the bull. Our next contestant, an Aggie, is used to defending himself against a herd of longhorns. Please welcome our bullfighter, Bill Jones, and his pro partner, Katie Parr, as they dance the Paso Doble and the Salsa. Now that's skill right there, folks. Perfection. seconds into the dance before there was a disruption. Now, here's the kicker. Um, we, we hadn't practiced this one little thing um, before. We put it in two days before the dance where when I laid her down like this and I brought her back up, we added, because another dancer thought it would look really cool, her bending her knee like this so it makes it look more 
you know, whatever. <laughs> and the problem is those little fringes on the bottom of her dress that go like this when she's dancing, they're loops, they're twisted. And she was supposed to cut the loops at the end. I don't know anything about all this, all right? And when I took her down and brought her back up, her heel got caught in one of those loops. The other thing is, I didn't know this was happening. I didn't find out that her heel got caught in her dress until after the dance, and we were talking about the dance, and she told me about it. All I knew is that she wasn't doing the thing that we were supposed to be doing <laughs> at the time we're supposed to be doing the thing, and inside of my head, I'm going, why is she not doing the thing? This, what's going on here? And I look down, and I see the cape on the ground. And I realize, ah, this is, the, this, this is the disruption that she was talking about. Cape's not supposed to be on the ground. Somehow, she dropped the cape. Well, she dropped the cape because she was trying to get her foot out of her dress. So I pick up the cape because I know we have to have this cape when we go down there because if when we get down there, she's got to have the cape that when we do this thing, she flings it toward the judges. So I picked up the cape. We go down. You probably didn't catch it. We exchanged the cape as we were going down here because I'm not supposed to throw the cape. She's supposed to throw the cape. She got the cape. We did the flingy thing, and she flung the cape. And we finished the dance. And the best part of that story is we won. <laughs> now, that story is a backdrop for what we're going to talk about today with disruption. Because I was well coached practicing and practicing and practicing. And during that last week, she even said, if you mess up or if I miss a step or we do something wrong, let's go ahead and finish the dance because I want to practice finishing the dance, no matter what happens during practice, that we might mess up. So I was well coached, and we practiced, and we practiced disruption. And most importantly, we kept dancing. Now, there are two backdrop thoughts that I want you to keep in mind as we, as we discuss disruptions over the next two weeks. First of all, not all disruptions are bad. Some disruptions are good. I mean, uh, Pastor Terry Cadwell spoke here two Sundays ago where he talked about Saul and how Saul uh, had a major disruption in his life because he was made king. And, and that's good. I mean, he was put in charge of the nation of Israel, commander-in-chief, and got all of the stuff that comes with being a king. And it was all good until it wasn't because Saul didn't handle it very well. So, so not all disruptions are bad. Some disruptions are good. When a musician crosses over into another genre that disrupts that genre of music, sometimes you get some really cool stuff, like Aretha Franklin singing a Mick Jagger Rolling Stones song. Y'all ever heard it? Let's hear it. That's Keith Richards, by the way. It's okay to tap your foot. Sorry.
Y'all, we are having way too much fun to this to be the church. <laughs> Max is going to run me off of this stage when he comes back. He goes, what have you done? That's a disruption when a singer in rhythm and blues or soul crosses over into rock and does something, does something unique and different. Our country and western flips over into hip-hop or whatever. It's called disruptive music. So it's not all bad. Most often, though, and the most challenging is usually disruptions that are, in best-case scenario, annoying, and in worst-case scenario, life-threatening. And we have to talk about how to handle those things as Christ followers, whether you're in a slow line at the grocery store when somebody in front of you has a pocket full of coupons that they're trying to cash in, to going to the doctor and, t and the doctor telling you that that lump is cancerous and you got to start getting treatments at MD Anderson or somewhere else. How do you handle it as Christ followers? What is disruption? When life happens. Now, sometimes disruptions are self-inflicted. They're unforced errors by us. Decisions that we've made about what we put into our bodies or what we do with our bodies that disrupts our life and the people around us. Sometimes disruptions are caused by others making bad decisions, whether it's a child going off the rails, affecting the entire family and disrupting the entire family structure, or a parent making a decision that affects the children, divorce, and other such things. It's disruptive. Sometimes it's people in your company making decisions that affect you and your financial well-being. Johnita and I started out our, our careers in Houston, and while we were there, Enron, in the early years, Enron was one of the big dogs in Houston. Enron then was kind of like Dell is here now. They had a stadium where the Astros played baseball named after them. Their names were at the top of the gala list for all of the powerful galas. Lawyers that I worked with in my law firm left the law firm to go work in-house counsel at Enron because they were paying better, their benefits were better. And we were a little envious of them because they got to work at Enron. Unbeknownst to them and us, the guys at the top were making some very, very bad decisions that caused the company to go under. And all those lawyers that I knew, personal friends of mine, had a disruption in their life, and they had to go find something else to do somewhere else. When I was a kid, in a non-integrated school in 1967, out in the rural Caldwell, Texas, where I was brought up, we were sitting in the cafeteria, and a bad guy came in that cafeteria with a gun. He had killed his wife, and he was running from the law. He was 10 feet from me and my friend Craig Ayers and Stanley Ayers when he walked in the door. All I remember is that the gun was black. I can't tell you anything else about it. He disrupted our day. All the men got their guns and showed up at the school, surrounded the school. Let me just tell you, you don't mess with a bunch of black kids who live out in the country. <laughs> just, just don't do it. Not a bad, not a good idea. He ended up giving himself up. 
but he disrupted our day. And as a third grader, most particularly, he disrupted my lunch. I didn't get to finish my cheese sandwich. <laughs> so, ultimately, anything that interrupts your well-laid plans. Now, there are two disruption concepts I want you to keep in mind for the next two weeks. If you don't remember anything else I tell you, if you don't remember any of the stories, if you don't remember the songs, if you don't remember anything, remember this. One, number one, disruption is an opportunity to receive a blessing. Disruption provides an opportunity to receive a blessing. Number two, disruption provides an opportunity to give a blessing. Disruption provides an opportunity to give a blessing or to be a blessing. Now, this week, we're going to discuss receiving the blessing. Next week, we're going to discuss how to be a blessing during a disruption. Now, let's look at this week, how to receive a blessing during disruption. Uh, the first thing we have to do is we have to pay attention to the coach. We have to pay attention to the coach. Now, uh, the people we're going to discuss today are the disciples of Jesus, the hand-picked men who followed him around for three years and watched him do everything he did. They watched him do the miracles. They watched him do uh, healing. They watched him walk on water. They watched him do all of the things that we study and talk about every Sunday. But we're getting down to the end. And this one week before his crucifixion, now, this is not an Easter service. This is a disruption service. We're going to talk about the disruption that's about to happen in the lives of the disciples. And they can't fully appreciate what he's telling them about what is about to happen. So let's look at what the coach tells his team a week before the big disruption. Matthew chapter 26 Jesus coaches his disciples on the upcoming disruption. He says in Matthew 26, 2, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Skip to Matthew 26, 31 and 32. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, here's the setup. Jesus had never actually acted like a king before now. Jesus actually avoided the limelight. He would heal someone and then say, don't, don't tell anybody where, where you got healed. Don't tell anybody where you got cured. He avoided the authorities. Sometimes they were looking for him. He knew they were looking for him. And he and the disciples would skedaddle off to some other place. He, he, he didn't ride into town like a king. He would go to the synagogues. He would challenge religious authority. But he didn't go in acting like a king, except now. Except now. He rode into town on the donkey, as had been prophesied, and allowed them to lay the palms at his feet and to cry out to him, Hosanna. He's the king. The disciples are going, yeah, all right. Now, this is more like it. This is, this is cool. This is going to be all right. We're getting ready to reign like we know this guy can reign. 
In fact, they were so excited about it, they started talking about which one he preferred over the other. They were having little arguments about who he liked better. And Peter said, well, of course he likes me better. I'm Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm the coolest one here. And John's like, no, I think he likes me pretty well too. Andrew, well, oh, hold on, guys. Wait. You know what? Why? Because they were trying to figure out, am I going to be Secretary of State? Am I going to be Ambassador to Egypt? Am I? They were looking forward to the kingdom. And Jesus is having a conversation with them as a coach and goes, okay, guys, everything's going to change. In a few days, I'm going to be given up to be crucified. Then I'm going to rise, and then you're going to meet me in Galilee. I'm giving you a heads-up warning. And they were, oh, wait, what? What? And he started this lesson about a week before the actual event, two days before the event, one day up before the event, the day of the event, he's having another conversation. If you all remember, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. If you remember, Peter said, okay, I finally get it. They're coming after you. But if they come after you, they got to go through me because I'm Peter, and I know you like me the best. And Jesus told him, Peter, before this night is over, you're going to deny you even know who I am three times. Three times. Y'all remember this, because next week we're going to come back and talk about Peter. Jesus is giving them a heads up. This is coming. Now, he's the head coach, but he's got lots of assistant coaches to even help us now. Who's your assistant coach that you use? I use Pastor Matt. I come here, and I sit where you sit, and I listen to what he says about the message that God has given him. And it helps me understand what I'm supposed to do when I have disruptions in my life. He's a great assistant coach. I have some friends that I trust, and, and I use them to bounce things off of. Some of them are here. And I ask them to pray for me when I have issues that come up, and they do, and they let me know that. And I pray for them when they have issues that come up. They're, they're my assistant coaches. My wife is my assistant coach. I wish she wouldn't make me one wind sprints, but, you know, she's pretty good. I read the Bible daily, some verse every day. Why? Because the coach is talking to us through the playbook. Every day I read something so that I can understand the warnings and the heads up for what's going to happen in my life disruptions. The second thing Jesus does is he tells them to prepare their heart and practice. John 14, verse 1, Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled about what's going to happen. Verse 1 of John 16 and verse 4 of John 16, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. See, Jesus told them, look, this thing is going to happen, but don't worry about it. You've practiced. You're ready for it. I couldn't tell you this at the very beginning because you weren't ready to accept it. You hadn't seen what I could do. My instructor 
didn't tell me that there was going to be a disruption in our dance until a week before the competition. She knew early on I, I was having difficulty just remembering where my, what the steps were, were. If she had told me there's going to be a disruption in the middle of my learning the steps, it would have set me back. She waited till the very end when I thought I had this down, when I, when I had the dance down pat. And now, she said, let me tell you what's going to happen. There's a disruption coming. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, I didn't tell you at the beginning. You weren't ready yet. But you've seen me heal. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me turn water to wine. You've seen me heal the woman. You've seen me heal the man. You've seen me heal the lame. You've seen me feed the 5,000. You've seen me do all this stuff. Now you're ready. You're ready. You practice. Time for the big show. You see, so many times if we were to practice on the smaller disruptions that occur in our life, it makes it easier to handle the larger disruptions that occur in our life. When you show up at the airline 5.30 in the morning to go on vacation and they tell you that your flight is canceled, that's a good opportunity to start practicing. That happened to me and my wife three weeks ago. What did we do? Did we stomp around the airport, quietly seethe? Okay, maybe there was a little bit of that. <laughs> just a little, just a tad. Johnita looked at me and she goes, well, you know, we really do need to run to the ranch. We're building a ranch house. We need to look at stuff before we go on vacation. Why don't we call the contractor, see if he'll meet us over there and look at things. We're not flying out till tonight anyway. So it's like, all right. So we took our luggage, went back out, told the guy, give me my truck back. We got in the truck, went to the ranch, met the contractor, checked out things, got some peace of mind, got in the truck, went back to the airport that night, went on vacation. To practice on the smaller things. They shouldn't surprise us. They don't feel good. Disruptions don't. They don't feel good. Um, but it's hard to remember when you're in the middle of the disruption. It's hard to remember when you're in the middle of the storm. That you got this. The other thing that Jesus tells his disciples is here is how you're going to receive a blessing in the middle of this disruption that's getting ready to occur. Y'all ready for this? This is how you get your blessing. Let's look at John chapter 14. The first thing we do is we have to perform. We have to perform, and we keep dancing. We keep dancing. John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. He said, that's how you perform. If you love me, keep my commands. What are his commands? There's only two. Jesus only had two. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love who's sitting next to you? Your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Those are the only two things you got to remember. That's how you perform in the middle of a disruption. Love God, love your neighbor. He said, if you do that, if you do that, here's the blessings that you get. John 14, 15. 
The first thing you do is you get some help. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The second thing you get, John 15, 11, is joy. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. He said, the blessing that I have for you are twofold. Jesus knew he was leaving. That's the whole purpose of the conversations he was having the week before his leaving. But he said, I've got another head coach that's behind me. He's better than Nick Saban. <laughs> that was an Auburn fan. <laughs> Some people call him the advocate. Some people call him the, the helper. Some people call him the Holy Spirit. Some people call him that voice inside of me that said I needed to do. Some people call him the great I am, the third leg of the trifecta. So some people may refer to him as that friend of mine that told me I needed to have lunch with somebody on Friday. So you hadn't met this guy, but you two need to meet. I meet him, and during the conversation, he says, I, uh, I'm from a family of 13. I'm the oldest. Both of my parents died by the time I was 24, and I took all of my siblings in to raise them as my children. Some people believe that that helper is there because within 30 minutes of that lunch I had on Friday, I got another phone call from a client. I was driving on Mopac in between Barton Skyway and 360. And that client said, hey, uh, I know you're trying to arrange this meeting there in Texas. You don't know who he is. He's not even from this state. He says, but I just need to tell you something that may limit my ability to come to that meeting. I've been dealing with this since April. I've got a tumor on my brain, and it causes me to have seizures. He said, I actually had one while you and I were on a phone conference earlier. You didn't know it, but I went silent for about 40 seconds because I couldn't talk. He said, it's really been disruptive in my life, but me and my wife are getting through it, and we're fine. He goes, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I've lived a good life, no matter how it turns out. I almost wrecked my truck. I, I said, what? I said, you used a word in there. You said dis disruptive. I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to speak at my church on Sunday about disruption. He said, wow. Jesus said, all you got to do is remember to keep dancing, love God, Love your neighbor. And he said, my joy will make your joy complete. Because right now, the joy that we have without Jesus is incomplete. It's only available when good things happen. It's only available when things are going our way. It's only available when there's no interruption in our day, in our life, in our health, in our relationships. 
Ah, but the joy that Jesus has, he says it's complete. Because I'll give you the joy even through the disruption. And Jesus' joy, while he was on the cross suffering for our sins, he asked his father to forgive those who were killing him. And he makes that joy available to us, to you, to me, regardless of the distraction, regardless of the disruption. So why don't we access that joy? Why do we have such a difficult time accessing that joy when our lives are jacked up? One, we're distracted. We're distracted by the disruption. We forget. And Jesus told his disciples, he goes, don't forget. I'm telling you this so you'll remember. It's going to happen. Don't forget that. When it happens, don't forget. Oh, yeah, that's right. He told me this was going to happen. When you look down and you see the cape on the floor, remember, she told me this was going to happen. Don't forget. The other reason is we might be distant from God. In fact, we may even be mad at him. Jesus said, uh-uh-uh-uh, keep dancing. Love God and love your neighbor. Some of us might be that we're undisciplined. We've never practiced being Christ-like through a disruption. When things aren't going our way, we let everybody know. Like the father I saw in Reagan Airport last week. He and his 11-year-old, his 8-year-old, and his 6-year-old came running up to the counter, and they had apparently missed their flight. The plane was still there. The doors were closed. He was seething. And the children were looking at him and looking at the attendant and looking at him and looking at the attendant and hanging on every word. Disruptions are guaranteed. They're going to happen. The only question is, Are you going to keep dancing? Because if you do, the mirror ball of joy is waiting for you as a blessing. Let's end with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word through your son Jesus to his disciples, the people who were most important to him at that time. The people who would take his word and establish Lake Hills Church one day. And even the people that followed him and saw his miracles and saw what he could do didn't quite understand the disruption that was going to happen. And like them, sometimes, Father, we're confused. We, we, we don't get it, and we don't understand. But help us to listen to our coach. Heed the warnings. 
not be surprised and to keep dancing. That the love that we are to have for our Father is never ending, even through disruption. That the love we're to have to our neighbor, even if our neighbor caused the disruption, is never ending. That's how we dance. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. Help us to remember that there is a blessing in the discomfort somewhere Somewhere there's a blessing in there for us. We just have to wait for it. Look for it. Expect it. Because you never break a promise. And Father, if there's someone here who has not accepted your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if when they face that disruption, they're distant from you, Pull them in close today. If there's someone here that wants some of that in their life and it's not there because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, now is the time and today is the day. It's available to all. And that's the beauty of Jesus' love. It's available to all. Your choice. And if you make that choice, and all heads bowed, all hearts praying. All you have to do is pray, Father, I don't understand all there is to know about being a Christ follower, but I understand that all I have to do is accept Jesus in my heart as my Savior. Today and now. I'll figure out the rest tomorrow. But today, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you make that prayer, we ask that you do two things. One, fill out the card that you were given when you walked into service. And when you fill that out, check the box that said, I have accepted Christ today. And at the end of service, hand that card to someone in a blue shirt or at the tent area out front. They won't harass you. They just want to know who you are and to help you with the next steps. The second thing we ask you to do is something physical. With every head bowed, every heart praying, we ask that you raise your hand. And that is a physical affirmation to mark this day as the most important day of your life, the day you accepted Christ. That's a big day. That's a big deal. And as you put your hand down, we put our hands together to welcome you into the family of faith.